If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 13, beginning with verse 24. All of these words we're going to read this morning, Jesus is speaking, and anytime he's speaking, we need to listen. In fact, he needs to be the last person we talk to every night before we close our eyes. Talk to him. He will hear you. The Bible says he will hear the cries of his children. Verse 24, Gospel of Luke, verse 13. Strive. Now, that's a tough word. You want to strive? I want to be first in my class. I want to be first at work. I want to be number one. Hey, and you, if you're going to be that or want to be that or have a desire to be that, you have got to strive, right? I want to strive to be the best pastor I can be. I want to strive to be the best preacher I can be. I want to strive to be the best witness for my Lord that I can. So Jesus says, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Now this stuff this morning, guys, is real, okay? It is real. There's no hoax. There's no jokes. There's no gimmicks. It's real. Verse 25 says, When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and ye begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not from where you are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and have drank in thy presence, and thou hast taught in thy streets, in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not from where you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And you yourselves thrust out. And there shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. And shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And verse 30 says. And behold. There are last who shall be first. And there are first who shall be last. Father I pray that you'd help us to understand what your precious son is saying to us today. Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to stand in this place today. Lord, I thank you for those that have chosen to come this way today. God, I pray that you'd speak to all of our hearts because you're the only person in the whole wide world and out of this world that, that knows how each one of us needs to be spoken to. So I pray that you touch, touch us in a fresh way today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this parable speaks of opportunities that come our way. We have opportunities that come our way every day we live. Some of those opportunities are good ones. Some are not so good. But who am I to say, well, I'm not going to do this. This is not a good opportunity. You'll never know 
what one opportunity will lead to another opportunity which could lead to another opportunity which could be the best opportunity that you have ever had. Now Jesus is talking about those who call him Lord, Lord and know him not versus those who call him Lord, Lord and know him in a personal way. And so you and I, we need to decide today, hey, I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You need to nail it down today. It's time that we stop thinking so and hoping so and knowing so. Amen? And listen, there's coming a time when we will not be able to call on the Lord anymore. All right? If if you lost, hey, you can call on him all you want to when you leave this world, but that's, it's over and done with. But as a Christian, listen, we can call on him while we're in this world, and when we get in the next with him, we'll already be there with him. We'll be able to see him. We'll be able to touch him. We'll be able to hear him speak. You know, it's amazing to me. People say, oh, I know it's Kenny Owen because I recognize that voice. I've never heard Jesus speak audibly. I wonder kind of voice does he have we'll be able to hear it the Bible says we'll see him we'll see him just as he is God gave opportunity for people to be saved I think about the the ark and having been there it's it's more real probably than ever before you pray for our youth as the they make plans to go there this summer it is an awesome thing when you first lay your eyes on the ark and I think the many, the many years and hundred plus, twenty, hundred plus, thirty, hundred fifty years, Noah worked on the ark. And the whole time he's working on it, he's also trying to set an example. He's preaching the word, begging people to come and get on this ark. But nowhere in the Bible do I find where anybody came to help him except his sons. Nobody. Now, the Bible doesn't record, not as I know of, where they may have walked by and laughed at him, called him a fool, and on and on and on. But in some of the movies we've saw, they do. And I'm sure they did. But Noah had his eyes fixed on God. Had he not, there's no human living. When you see the ark for the first time and you walk through it, it is unhuman to even think about that a man could build such a thing. But he did it with God's authority. He did it with God's power. But there came a day, the Bible says, when God shut the door. I got a video. It's an old called video, VCR days, of watching Noah when he got in the ark and everything's in and God shut the door. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it began to rain and rain and rain. And all of a sudden, the ark starts to squeak and crack. First thing you know, it's it's floating. Well, prior to that floating, you hear people outside. You don't see them, but Noah and his family, his sons and his three wives and his wife were seated around a table eating. 
And he began to hear screams. He began to hear beating. And all he could hear was, Noah, let us in. The three boys is where I picked up and caught because God's blessed me with two. They look at their daddy, but they don't say a word. As if to say, Daddy, are you going to let them in? I remember many, many, many nights. My daddy is the one that shut the door at our house at night. When time comes, the door was shut and the door was locked. But my daddy did that. Noah didn't shut the door. God did. Now listen, a long story short, all right? One of these days, the door is going to be shut to eternity. Okay, now is the time. Jesus over and over and over said, now is the time, now is the day of salvation. You say, I don't, you're not preaching to me, I'm already saved. I am preaching to you as I'm trying to preach to myself that yes, we may be saved, but how many of our friends, how many of our relatives right now do not know Jesus? And the door is going to shut one day and they are not going to be able to get in. I can't imagine standing before God and giving an account of my life to Him and then maybe after I pass on having faced Him, seeing friends, maybe relatives come before Him and hearing Him say, I don't know you. And hear that relative say, yeah, but that's, that's my cousin Kenny right there. Or that's, that's my preacher. He, he preached to me. Yeah, but I'm sorry. You never accepted me. Depart from me into everlasting life. It's going to be a horrible time. And, and, and you think how many times that, that Jesus over and over through parables basically was saying to the people, hey, I love you. Well, let's think about this shut door for a moment. First of all, I want you to think about the right way. Now, verse 24 tells us, strive to enter in at the narrow gate. Now, Matthew says that there is a narrow gate, and few there be that find that way. He also says there is a broad way, a wide gate that leads to destruction, and many, he says, many were going that away. I reiterate this again. There are more people going to hell than there are going to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that heaven hath enlarged herself. Heaven is 1,500 miles cube, okay? 15 wide, 15 deep, 1,500 high, okay? 1,500 But the Bible says that hell hell hath enlarged herself. And when someone enters hell, it says those angels in hell, the devil's angels, rise up. You know why? The Bible says they rise up to meet them. I can't imagine when I look at an open fire and it burning, and they said hell is much hotter than that. People say, how in the world can you stand that? Don't know. Don't plan to go, okay? That's the thing. Don't plan to go there. 
The Bible uses the word torment. Torment. Now, this story is not about my mother-in-law, but the man didn't have but two weeks to live. The doctor said, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? He said, I'd love to go see my mother-in-law and invite her to come and stay with me for the next two weeks. He said, are you kidding? He said, no, because it'll be the longest two weeks I've ever lived. Well... That's not about mine. Mine was a good one, and she lived with us three years, and I don't regret a day of it. Hello? Not a day. She was good to me. But the wide gate and the narrow gate, it's real, folks. It is real. Jesus is the one. And and the Bible says unless you are drawn by the Holy Spirit of God, there's no reason to come. Because that's why he sent us a comforter the right way. The promise, John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, think about it with me. If you believe in God, believe in Jesus also. He said, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. I can't imagine what that place is going to be like, but it's going to be a magnificent place. You and I, we live in, in magnificent places ourselves. We're happy. We're, we're proud of where we are. And, we, and many times, let us, I just, let us I just love our place. Well, hey, I think many times, listen, I have enemies, by the way. And I've been burned out one time. And the, and the officer said, do you want me to press charges? I said, no, sir, I don't. Because if he'll burn this one, he'll burn the next one. And so, hey, I, many times I, we leave the house, I, I tell Lynn, I said, now, let's not be alarmed. If we come back, it is nothing but a pile of ashes. You know, hey, it's, it's, it belongs to God. But the devil is also active. The devil is also powerful. And listen, he does not want you and I going through the narrow gate. Can you imagine these abortion clinics where young girls go to have an abortion and the Christians that might be outside there begging them, please don't go in, please don't go in. Well, the devil has his crowd also begging you and me, hey, don't accept Christ. You don't need him. You're doing good. What do you need with Jesus? You've got a good job. You've got a good place to live. You've got good transportation. You've got a wonderful family. What do you need with God? You know, the people in Noah's day did not need that ark. They didn't need the ark until it began to rain. And it rained. And it rained. And they went to the highest mountains trying to escape. The Bible says, talks about how much over the highest peak that the water went. No way off east. Say, why would God do that? Listen, God gave them at least a hundred years to get ready, to get right. How many years has he given us to get ready, to get right? You know, the promise is I've gone to prepare you a place. The pathway, um, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I I am the life and no man will come to the Father unless he come through me. We also see the people. 
As we think of the promise and the pathway there, this right way we see the people, those whose names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Now, if it's not written down there, guess whose fault it is? It's yours and mine. You see, God has the book, all right? But I believe Jesus does the writing. When a person is saved, I, I, I literally believe this. Can't prove it, but I literally believe that Jesus picks up the pen and in blood, his blood, writes your and my name in that book. Now, you can't erase that. Now, I'll tell you one thing the devil would love to have today. Not only would he like to have the keys to hell, but he would love to have his hands on that book to tear the pages out. But I got news for him. He can tear them all out if he wants to. He cannot ever, never, ever take Jesus out of my soul. He can do a lot of things. He can send cancer on us. He can send heart attacks and strokes and all manner of destruction. But he cannot take our soul if it's saved. I thank God for that. Well, the right way. But what about the wrong way? Verse 25 and 26, and when the master of the house is risen up, he has shut the door. As I said, I thought about my daddy because he shut the door. God shut the door on the ark. And one day the door of eternal life will be shut and ye shall begin to stand outside. Get this. You shall begin to stand outside, okay? Can you imagine being in the parking lot of this place right now and at 1030 in 1040, between 10.30 and 10.45, the doors are locked. Okay? To keep those who would come in to harm us so they can't get in. However, our safety team is in place to let those in if they desire to be in. But there's a 15-minute slot. Okay? What if you were outside, the door's done shut, and God has taken away the guards, and you can't get in? You would be going to every door, shaking it, trying to get in. Listen, listen to what he said. And you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I do not know you. I saw you in church. I saw you in the choir. I saw you in Sunday school. I saw you behind the pulpit preaching. But you never, ever acknowledged me as your Savior. You never once invited me into your heart. I knocked on your heart's door many times. You heard me, but you wouldn't come and you wouldn't let me in. Verse 27 says, And he shall say, I tell you, I know you not from where you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. The wrong way. People were religious, okay? But they weren't righteous. You can be religious, all right? You can talk Bible. You can know the Bible from cover to cover. You can know the Ten Commandments by heart. You can know every parable, every prayer, 
If somebody says, can you tell me where such and such a thing is in the Bible? Some of you are that excited and that knowledgeable about the Word of God, you can turn right to it. You talk a good talk. You do all the things you think is right. But you've never invited Jesus into your heart. So how in the world can that be? Because the devil somewhere has slipped you a counterfeit. Now it might bother some of you. Listen. It might bother some of you not to come to the altar and speak to me because there's a question I'm going to ask you if I do not know. And the question is, have you been saved? I mean, there's churches today that do not even have a hymn of invitation. They don't encourage people to come and invite Jesus into their heart. Listen, that is the heart cry of my God. That's why Jesus died so people could come to a saving knowledge of Jesus because it's going to be a horrible day when you hear him say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I mean, why not just get it right? Say, well, I don't want to embarrass my family. I'd rather embarrass every family member I've got than to not do it and go to hell. You can think of all the stuff you want to think. Let me tell you something. When they say you are dead, there is nobody that can pray you into heaven. If you left this world lost, you are lost forever in eternity without Jesus. You know, somebody said, well, what's, what's hell like? I said, I don't really know other than what the Bible says, but just to be separated for time and eternity from our God and our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be hell enough. You ought to be the last person. You ought to be the first and the last person you talk to every day. Well, you know, sometimes we have a formality and it's without faith. We do all the right things, but we don't have faith. Ritual without reality. Listen, all that's junk. I don't care. It's junk. Unless you have the Lord Jesus, it's junk. Religious. Uh, religion without righteousness in Titus 1.16 the works that they did told those people surrounding them they wasn't God's child the works that they did uh, when one is born uh, uh, it beca- he becomes a new person when he is born of the spirit of God the Bible says old things have passed away behold all things are become brand new which leads us to a third thing. Not only the right way and the wrong way, but verse 27, look at 20. And he shall say, I tell you, I know you're not from where you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There's going to be weeping. Okay, listen. The separation from God. The wicked will be separated from the just. Now the Bible, if you want a reference for that, Matthew 13, 49, that God will allow the angels to separate the wicked from the righteous. Matthew 25, 32 says that God will allow Jesus to separate the sheep from the goats. Meaning, hey, sheep are Christians, those who are on their way to heaven. The goats are the lost people on their way to hell. Weeping. Well, listen, uh, you know, Christians will be separated from sinners. Um, Luke 17, 34 says one will be taken and the other left. That scripture says this, two men 
will be in the same bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field plowing or at work, wherever you might work. One will be taken and the other left. It's a separation time coming. You know, pray for Miss Mary Price. You think about her mothers. I want you to listen. All you mothers, listen. Well, everybody listen, but you mothers particularly. You know what it felt like to hold your baby and nurse your baby and to take care of your baby. But that baby became a, a walking child, a running child, became an adult. And that's the way Keith's life went. And in the last days, Miss Mary was nursing her son again. Can you imagine? Her name's Mary, and I told her, I said, you know, Mary, I said, the Bible, and Mary watched her son. She nursed him into this world, and she watched him die on a cross. Had he not died, y'all, our sins would not be paid for. Hallelujah, thank God they're paid for. They're not being made paid on. They are paid in full. Make sure you get that. Listen, God's not depositing so much blood toward your salvation and mine. I believe this. Once saved, always saved, forever saved, all at one time. Some people say, well, I've, been, I've talked to one person. They said, I said, have you been saved? Yep, been saved three times. I said, well, would you tell, I'd love to hear about that. And they can't explain it. They can't explain it. And I try to say, listen, think back the first time that you were saved. Tell me about that time. And they can. They can tell me about that first time they were saved. That's okay. Now, tell me what happened on the second time. I want to hear their story. It's my job, my responsibility to help them realize and know you can only be saved once. Nicodemus, it was a Pharisee, came to Jesus, the Bible says, by night. Good master. Hey, rabbi. Man, if you wasn't from God, you couldn't do the things you're doing. Jesus said, son, listen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you got to be born again. See, Jesus knew he was lost. you got to be born again. And, and Nicodemus said, now this was foolish, guys. He says, can I enter the second time as an adult into my mother's womb and be born? No way. He said, you've got to be born of spirit. You've got to be born again. Well, I was only born once physically. I was only born once spiritually. Now, I've talked to them people about that and come to find out they were genuinely, truly saved the first time, okay? But they backslid. They didn't understand that part, backsliding, Okay? Backsliding. What is that? That's withdrawing from God slowly. Unaware almost. You drop out of this. You drop out of that. You quit reading the Bible. You quit praying. You quit witnessing. And first thing you know, you're just an ordinary person going down the road of life and could care less about anybody and or yourself. And so you bring those people who've been saved two or three times to the point and say, hey, 
You were saved once, like you were born physically once, but you have gone astray, and 1 John 1, 9 is the fixer. If we confess our He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. And how many times can you do that, preacher? As many times as necessary. God hears the cries of his children. Well, let me give you this last thing right quick, the sorrow. Look at verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see. Okay, I believe we'll see. The lost will see. Abraham, he's already in heaven. Isaac's there. Jacob's there. And all the prophets that followed God's leadership, they're there. They're in the kingdom of God, Jesus says. And you yourselves are thrust out. Thrust out. Can you imagine being thrust out? It's a horrible thing. But it don't have to be. You see, there's a reality of hell. In Psalm 9:17, it says, "The wicked shall be turned into hell, and the, and the nations that forget God." We as America, we need to be careful. We're slowly getting, getting rid of God in any way we can. But I am so grateful and so thankful that we're still allowed as Christians to walk into Orchard Park School with a Bible ha! and tell those children about Jesus I don't remember her name but there's one little girl the whole time I've noticed her she hadn't had a whole lot to do with me okay not that she wasn't friendly and nice but she's always attentive and she's always listening and learning but on the day of graduation she came up and hugged me and said, thank you. Thank you. You know, I believe that heaven's going to be similar to that. People going to come up to you when we get to heaven, and they're going to hug you, and they're simply going to say, thank you. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. But the reality of hell is real. The residents in hell. Cassie, would you mind putting up Revelation 21? <clears throat> verse 8 and I will attempt to read it Mac, son if I can't read that it's blurred would you read that out loud for me please oh. You hear that? The lake of fire. Can you imagine being able to swim and not being able to escape the flames, the fires that are in the lake of fire? Redemption from hell. In 2 Peter, listen. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering, not willing that any perish and go to a devil's hell. He don't want that. He has paid the ultimate price for you and for me. Romans 3.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift, y'all. You can't earn it. Let me tell you something. Once we get it, we can't do enough to keep it. Hello? We are kept by the power of God. I can't keep myself. I mean, I find myself wanting to do ugly things and, and see ugly things because of that old nature that's always in the background saying, you don't have to live this way. You can live like you want to. Who's going to see it? Listen, it is constant, constant temptation. And the more we serve the Lord and the closer we try to get to Him, the harder He kicks. Don't depend on religious experiences. Depend on the Word of God. Depend on Jesus Christ. Because if we haven't truly I'm going to say it like I feel it. Been on our knees with our head bowed, our eyes shut, and begging God to forgive us of our sins and come into our heart and save our soul. We need to do it. It's time we got serious with Jesus. You know, one of the thieves on the cross said, if you are who you say you are, why don't you just take yourself off here and us too? He could have done it. He could have jumped from that cross. He could have pulled those men off that cross. He could have shoved that crowd back. He could have won that battle that day with the people. But he chose to die for you and me. And I thank God he came out of the grave. Hallelujah, he's alive. And he'll be alive forever. In fact, he's the only one that can say, I was alive I died, I came back to life, and I will be alive forevermore. I beg you, I plead with you, don't sell the life short. Because when they announce that I'm dead, my soul will be in heaven. One reason, because I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, touch hearts. Lord, I know this has been your word. Maybe, Lord, that I haven't put it plain enough. I don't know, but only you know. But I pray that you would take what I have tried to say and your precious word, Lord, and that you would put it in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls that are in this audience right now. to be sure that they're saved. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity today. And Lord, if there's anyone going to respond today, I pray that you give them courage as they strive to walk the aisle and to believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen.